Hello. Here we are on the backside of Christmas. Some of you are feeling some relief, right? Some version of, we did it, or we made it, or I'm so done listening to Christmas music. For others, we're still letting go of the Christmas we wish we'd had that wasn't possible for any number of reasons. This post-holiday lull has you left feeling sad, maybe missing people or traditions that are part of your normal Christmas. But before we leave Christmas entirely behind for another 12 months, I want to ask you guys a question. Actually, a handful of questions. If you know me, that's a thing I do. I got lots of questions. Uh, but let me start with this one. What does Christ coming have to do with you? When you wake up tomorrow, will it matter that Jesus came to us that first Christmas? Today, I want to make sure we have not confused religion with the new life that Jesus came to give us. I want to move past simply reviewing what we know about Jesus and press into a life lived with Jesus. So let's get into it, shall we? I'm going to give you a second with this next question. I want you to really think about it. In what area of your life do you need God? You need him to show up. You need him to see and you need him to care. You need him to speak, to help, to show you the way forward. It could be a relationship it could be a habit or a struggle, maybe even a loss. Where do you need Jesus most right now? So in that area, do you believe that God can help? Be honest, has any part of you given up? Do you believe he wants to? I have to admit, these are exactly the spaces in my own life where I am most prone to battle doubt and struggle to really, really actually trust God. Do you believe even that he's already at work, even if you can't see it yet? Now, if you're like me, the part of life where we have the deepest longing for God is the very same place it's hardest to hear from him. Our emotions and our own will tend to get in the way. It reminds me of a Zoom call on a bad internet connection, right? You know how it goes. The person's there, but you can't see anything, and occasionally you get flashes of a picture, and every fifth words coming through, and you're trying to piece together what you're saying, but at some point, you just have to call the ball and tell them, I can't hear you well enough to understand. In my Zooming experience, it usually spells disaster if you try and respond or move forward based on what you think you've heard. And sometimes, I think that's the way we feel when we're talking to God. It's like we're trying to piece together and figure out, where is he in this? What's he trying to say to me? So I'd like us to have that honest moment with him before we even get started this morning. Can I pray with you? Lord, I bet a lot of us, if we're honest, would admit there's a part of our lives that we either haven't brought to you or where we are struggling to find you. So where we've given up, Lord, would you rekindle our faith? Give us what we need to believe again that you can. And where there is doubt or even weariness, God, would you help us trust you to meet us in the exact places where we need you most? And where we cannot see you at work, Father, will you show us how to encounter you more often and to find you more clearly in the midst of our real everyday lives? It's in your name, Jesus, and under your authority that we pray. Amen. 
So I want to be totally transparent. This message is most definitely a group effort. The things I'm sharing with you today have emerged and really taken shape over the last few months as we've talked and dialogued as pastors here at CTK. Together, we've been seeking God's best for this church and honestly believing that he absolutely has a plan for CTK right here in the middle of COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, a divisive election, and a significant downturn in both our economy and the mental health of our country. We believe God is using it all, the stuff that he intended and the things that he has allowed. In 2020, God has not been on a stay-at-home order up in heaven, and he most certainly is not quarantining from the mess down here. His Holy Spirit is among us, refining us so that we can be a force for good in this world. And today, I'm going to invite you to intentionally move into that process with us as a church family. In 2021, what we want most for you, CTK, is to encounter God more regularly to hear his voice speaking to you personally, to sense his presence more often and experience his love firsthand on a consistent basis. We want you to draw on God as the source for your life and everything that it requires. Wouldn't that be a year? As your leadership team here at CTK, we feel some deep conviction that God is asking us to spend the next 12 months teaching you, leading you, equipping you, encouraging you, inviting you, and even urging you to abide in Christ. Because here's what we know. All that you need, really, all that you need is found in him. Using Paul's words from Ephesians 3, 16 through 21, we've been asking God for several things for each and every one of you in this upcoming year. As I pray those over you, can I ask you to just listen for the one that draws you in? Because that may very well be the thing that God is longing most to give you in 2021. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray that out of your glorious riches, you will strengthen the people of CTK. With power through your spirit in their inner being, so that... Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in us. And we pray that this church family, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all your people to grasp how high, how long, how wide, how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of who you are, God, Fill us up. And to you, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to your power that's at work within us, to you be the glory in this church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm hoping something snagged you in that, that you've got a sneak peek into what God might have for you this year. I also want to point out two things in that prayer from the book of Ephesians. First, Paul clarifies not once, but twice, in case you missed it, that the power comes from the Holy Spirit, not from us, not from our good behavior or our best efforts. It comes from the Spirit. The power of life, the power to change, to forgive, to heal, to obey, to love, it all comes through the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit at work within us makes things possible that we could never do on our own. Do you believe that? I absolutely do. I have seen him in countless lives do things that seemed impossible. Second, look back with me at this strange phrase in verse 19. It says that you would know God's love that surpasses knowing. Hmm. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, or the meaning isn't very apparent in the English translation. But the significance of this verse just leapt off the page at me when I became fluent in Spanish and was able to read the Bible in that language. You see, in Spanish, there are two words for our verb to know. The first one is saber, and the second is conocer. Now, saber is used to know information, okay? So you saber math and chemistry. You saber how to get to Costco in Winnipeg after you Google it. On the other hand, conocer means to personally know, to meet or have experience with someone, to have actually been to a place. So you could conocer your sister or conocer the Costco in Bellingham, at least most of us have. Let me give you another simple example of this di difference. Many of you saber grant. He's shared about himself during sermons, and as our primary teacher, you've heard his heart and mind on many things. But you don't conocer him. You don't go fishing with him, or even know that he doesn't fish. Now think about the implications of that difference, not with another human being, but with your heavenly Father. No amount of knowing him will ever come close to being the same as knowing him personally. This is the deeper truth of Ephesians 3.19. Will we conocer, will we experience the love of God in ways that surpass anything we can know about God's love? To experience God's love, this is what Paul says will fill us up and release God's power in us. Church, we are inviting you to conocer, to experience God this year like never before to dive deeper into a personal relationship with God. Are you interested? Back in June, I think I shared with you guys the story of when I first heard God's unmistakable voice speaking to me, sitting on a rock at Camp Malibu in BC. The one thing he wanted me to know was that he loved me. That's what he had to say. Sabía yo por años que Dios me ama, pero ese día conocí Conocí su verdadero amor por mi primera vez. You see, I knew for years that God loves me, but that was the first time, and there have been many since, where I got the chance to experience his love. And that makes all the difference. That is what we want for each of you, not every great once in a while, but more often than you ever thought possible. And it turns out there's no magic wand and there's no special prayer and there's not even enough religious brownie points to earn that will open that door for you. Actually, it isn't even much of a mystery how to find and open that door. Millions of Christians over hundreds and hundreds of years have developed a shared set of practices that help us encounter God. Let me read you an excerpt from Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. He does a great job of explaining this. He says, we are saved by grace and by it alone, not because we deserve it. That is the basis of God's acceptance of us. 
but grace does not mean that sufficient strength and insight will be automatically infused into our being in the moments we need it. Abundant evidence of this is available in the experience of any Christian. We only have to look at the facts. A baseball player who expects to excel in the game without adequate exercise of his body is no more ridiculous than the Christian who hopes to be able to act like a new creation in Christ when the time comes without the appropriate exercise in godly living. The spiritual disciplines are activities or practices of mind and body purposely undertaken to bring our personality and total being into effective cooperation with God and his ways. They enable us more and more to live in a power that is beyond us, literally, as we yield ourselves to God. This is how we move from knowing about God to knowing God personally. What Dallas Willard calls spiritual disciplines, we tend to call spiritual practices around here, but they mean exactly the same thing. They are activities we purposefully do to bring ourselves into effective cooperation with God and his ways, which then gives us access to the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. What an offer, right? When we intentionally create space for God to make himself known to us, he does. And we, in turn, experience being known and loved by him in ways that change us and change our lives. This is the Christian life. Many of you may be familiar with Jesus' teaching from John 15, where he describes himself as the vine and us as the branches that draw our life from our connection with him. Several times throughout history, spiritual practices have actually been described as the trellis that supports and trains the branches as we grow. You know, a couple summers ago, I was driving through uh, California wine country, and I'm just driving past row after row after row after row, these straight trellises, and I saw little vines just barely touching the bottom, just starting their journey, and I saw others that were huge branches moving along the trellises, guided by their lines, and others had completely covered the trellis with healthy leaves, branches bulging with fruit that you could tell had some weight to them and needed the trellis to support them. It kind of reminded me of the arcs they form out of the raspberry vines out in the county fields to train those branches along the trellises if you've driven by those. I wanted to bring this image to life for you. I wanted to help you picture a trellis and a vine and branches and fruit. So I asked my dear friend, Pastor Frank Talbot, if he would read us the words of Jesus from John 15, 1 through 17. Why don't you take a look at this? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, 
Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So let's unpack sort of the obvious question in that passage. What does it mean to abide in Christ's love? What does that mean? I would suggest that it means we are firmly attached to, grafted into, connected, dependent on Christ as our source. It means that just like the vine sends nutrients from the roots and energy from the leaves into the branches, so we are nourished and sustained by Christ, the very source of our life. If you remember Paul's language in Ephesians, he said we are rooted and established in love. So if that's what it means to abide in Christ's love, how can you actually tell if you're abiding? There's actually five different things Jesus lists in this passage, and he says almost all of them multiple times. So I think he's trying to get something clear for us here. In verse 7 and 16, it says that when we are abiding, we ask. We actually go to God first, and we go to God most for all the things that we need. In verses 10 and again in 14, we notice that when we abide, it means we follow his directions. I like to think of it as obedience is God's love language. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that God will love you more if you obey. I am saying that obedience is our loving response to a God who has and will always love us. Then in verse 11, we're given a telltale sign that you are abiding. It's the abundant joy that Grant talked about a couple of weeks ago. Then in verse 12 and 17, another surefire sign is mentioned that you are in fact abiding. It's that you love one another. In fact, Jesus takes this one all the way and suggests that we would lay down our lives for our friends, that we would actually submit our preferences and sacrifice things that matter to us for the good of someone else. That's his definition of love. And then we get to the clear headline of this passage. It's mentioned five different times. To abide means to bear fruit. And Galatians 5, 22 through 26, gives us a great starting place for what that fruit might be. It gives us a list and also a reminder about the source of that fruit. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That last verse answers a question you might not be asking, but that I think we should probably talk about. What is abiding in Christ not? Paul gives us three very practical answers to that question, starting with the word conceited, which is also translated prideful. You guys, none of these spiritual practices that we're going to teach you in the coming year are grounds for any kind of spiritual bench press contest. I mean, I bet more than a few of us have been trapped in a prayathon where you get the feeling nobody's talking to God, they're just giving speeches and trying to outdo the last speech. That is never what spiritual practices are for. In fact, it's really important that we remember these practices are a way to put ourselves in a place to receive what only the Holy Spirit can give. Our effort and our intentionality in engaging these practices actually helps us stop striving and get out of God's way and yield ourselves to his dealings with us. So really, no grounds for bragging here. The second warning is not to provoke or challenge each other. I want to submit to you that when we busy ourselves applying our saber, head knowledge, to everyone else's life, we are falling into legalism, a nasty counterfeit straight from hell meant to confuse us about what the abundant, fruitful life is and how we discover and develop that life Jesus came to give us. I really mean this, church. It is so important that we stay in our own lane. There are times when God asks us to speak the truth in love, but there are many more times we give ourselves an assignment and it ends up looking more like judgment. So the third warning about the fruit of the Spirit is what Paul calls envying each other. Dearly loved children of God, can I say you have no business comparing your fruit to somebody else's. Can I urge you instead to keep your eyes on Jesus and create space to be with him? This is the abundant life. And then, do what God asks of you, and you'll come to see the beauty in what God is doing uniquely in you and through you in this world. There are no minor league players in the kingdom, only those who've chosen the bench, or worse yet, the stands. These vineyard diseases take hold when we forget that we are the branches and Christ alone is the source, the vine, from which all fruit in our lives is produced. So instead, in humility, embrace the valuable place you've been given in the body of Christ. Lean into encountering God and see where your walk and step with the Spirit may lead you. Soak up from your very roots Jesus' unconditional love that you could never earn, never deserve, but will always be freely given. Remember, spiritual practices will always be a means to an end, never an end unto itself. Dallas Willard makes that so clear when he says, spiritual practices make us capable of receiving more of God's life and power. They're a way to receive, not to create good. So here's my last question. Do you want to experience more of God in 2021 than you did this year? 
For those of us who've been Christians for a while, there's a real danger here of thinking there isn't more, you've got this surrounded, or sadly, just becoming content with what you have. Any place, you guys, any place that we settle for secondhand knowledge about God shortchanges us out of the opportunity to experience firsthand who he is and how much he loves us. And that is a too dear a price to pay just to be comfortable. And for those of you who recently started a relationship with Jesus or maybe haven't said yes to him yet, here's what I want you to know. He's ready as soon as you are. Even tonight, as we enter into prayer in closing, he is listening to you. And he'd love nothing more than to start a conversation. So if you're willing to push some other things aside and actually make room to encounter Jesus, then we're here to help you figure out exactly how. Each month in 2021, we'll give you a chance to try out a new spiritual practice. We want to give you enough instruction and time and help so that if it's a new practice for you, you can kind of push through that awkward beginning phase and get to where it's comfortable enough to enjoy and really dive in. And if it's already a familiar practice for you, we want to give you several options and new ideas to deepen your practice and to bring it back to life for you. Spoiler alert, our practice for January is going to be prayer. Whether you've been in conversation with God for decades or you'd actually like to learn how to pray, we want to help you lean into these types of encounters with God. We want to practice them alongside you and together listen to what God will say to each one of us and to us collectively as a church family. You know, about a month ago, I was standing in the back of the worship center on a Saturday night and Drew came up to do announcements and I noticed he was emotional. He seemed to have been moved by something that God whispered to him as he worshiped and it stuck out to me. I've been thinking about it ever since. God said to him, if you show up, I'll show up. And Drew understood God was speaking to him personally, but also to our church as we wrapped up this year's blessing. In fact, whenever God's people show up, God's already there waiting for us. And that promise isn't just for the special few. So I want to say to the people with us today who haven't experienced God drawing near in a while or maybe ever, listen to what God says to every single one of us in Jeremiah 29:11 through 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We see that verse a lot, don't we, on plaques and journals and Christian greeting cards. It's a great promise. But what we often skip over are the verses right after that that actually tell us how God is going to bring that future about. It continues, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That sounds like a promise. I will be found by you and will restore your fortunes. I will gather you from all the places where I have banished you and bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. That passage is chock full of promises, but it is also clearly a call to action. Remember Dallas Willard's baseball analogy? You can't expect a major league life with God if you never lift a bat and only show up for the game on Sundays. But what I can say in total confidence 
is that God wants to spend as much time with you as you'll make for him. Seek me with all your heart, he says, and I will be found by you. So church family, God's already showed up. Will you? As I pray for us, would you consider putting yourself, your body, in a posture that mirrors your desire to receive from God in 2021? I'm going to give you a couple suggestions. You might put your hand over your heart as a reminder that the Holy Spirit lives in all of us who believe. Or you might choose to open your hands to receive from the Lord whatever it is he's looking to give you in this season. Or maybe you might stand with your arms open wide, expectant and vulnerable, waiting on a God who knows how to give good gifts to his kids. You choose, but let's pray. Lord, over this group of people that I love, that I have cast my lot in with for the last 25 years, I want to claim the promise of John 15, 16 for all of us. You said that we didn't choose you, but that you chose us and appointed us that we should go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. So thank you, God, for choosing us. In spite of all that we bring to the table and the ways that we misunderstand and try and earn your love, thank you for choosing us. Give us a year, this year, a fresh understanding of what it means to be chosen and appointed by the power of your spirit at work in each of us. God, may we bear fruit that points other people to just how good you are. And then you said that if, as we bear fruit, whatever we ask the Father in your name, Jesus, he would give it to us. So God, I'm gonna be brave and I'm gonna be bold and I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask, Lord, that you would call your kids who are in the stands or on the bench out onto the field Give them the courage to respond, to seek you this year like never before. God, I want to ask that you would free us from religious striving, that you would free us from the binds of empty legalism, that you would free us from pride on one hand and shame on the other so that we are free to abide in you, Jesus. I also want to ask, Lord, would you give us a hunger for your presence and a longing for your love, that draws us into these spiritual practices, not as a have to, but as a get to. Make us curious, Lord. Humble us so we will seek you as the source of all things. And as Frank has taught us to pray, would you make us wise and would you make us strong? To you be the glory, Jesus, in your precious and powerful name. And all God's people said, amen.